episode 28 of honestly and balance and we're chatting to us yoga teacher very experienced yoga teacher andrea markham of all the yoga people i've ever met she's probably the one who i feel lives a yogic lifestyle and has a yogic way of being more than anyone else i know and she's actually kind of written a book on that called close to arm uh so yeah have a enjoy this podcast andrea is a wise woman Honestly unbalanced. And I want to know a little bit about how you've adapted. So you've kind of actually you've kind of set yourself up a little bit over the last few years to teach online. Now I first met you at Udaya, so filming like in a Hollywood movie studios, essentially. Uh, with amazing cameras. So you know how to work the camera. <laughs> but how have you how have you found being on camera and being the camera operator and being the host and being everything else. <laughs> oh, good Lord, right? Mm. Well, for one thing, I am not a technically minded person. And so I've had to really kind of figure that out. And like the rest of us, it, it was thrown into reverse. You know, suddenly you couldn't be in the studio and everybody was a little bit desperate for connection. And so I started on Instagram and I did the Instagram live and I did Facebook live and I knew, you know, nothing about <laughs> either of those things. I was very happily analog, <laughs> um, despite the fact that we teach our, our stuff at Udaya. I mean, that is very fancy and other people handle that. And um, I also just remember like we would go and, and film a chunk of stuff, like maybe 10 hours of content at the most. And I would be exhausted for like a month afterwards. And now I feel like it is a perpetual Udaya shoot, except that I'm also having to figure out, like you said, these technical things. And so I moved it from Facebook and, um, Instagram, because I realized this quality is not going to be something that I really want to ever have anybody look at. And I went to YouTube and the quality was a bit better and it started growing. Um, and it became this very international thing. Uh, I have a wonderful student named LP, who's a recording artist. And she went on Instagram live with me and she became, we role reversed. She was the yoga teacher and taught me. Okay. And she has a very dedicated fan base and they started getting a little bit intrigued by yoga. And wow. I think that was a, one of the lean-ins for this international thing. But YouTube just took on a, a, a life of its own. And, and a lot of it was being able to connect and chat beforehand and then chat afterwards. And I started seeing recurring names, people who would come and show up for the live. Oh, how, but is also that, what it was. Can I, is, that a, is that YouTube live? Yeah, that, I did, it's that, a thing. I, yes. didn't know, I didn't even yeah, know YouTube that was a thing. I had no idea. I, I did. Well, nor did I. If we had had this conversation in February, I would be like, what's a circle light? <laughs> and do, do, do people um, pay for it? Do people pay on YouTube Live? That's or? the thing is that you ask them for it was donation. by donation. Mm -hmm. And actually people were quite generous. And um, not as many people show up for the live. It's that I started creating sort of uh, not realizing it, but I started to create a catalog. And the next thing I knew, I had 70 classes in that wow. catalog. And it was a little bit reckless to have it out there just sort of flapping in the free wind on mm. YouTube. And also security gets a little weird. Like th things about YouTube, once you start to generate things, felt a little bit less like what I wanted to do. Mm. And so I've moved it to my own um, website. There's a couple of people called SutraFit who are starting this platform where you then generate your, you put your stuff behind a paywall on, on your site. Um, and it, it then can be a subscription based thing and, or they can drop in for live classes and it's zoom. So 
I have been telling these people who I've been reading in the chat for seven months that it's like a celebrity sighting when I see them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing Eliana from Italy and, you know, yeah. Sansan from Croatia. And um, it's just extraordinary for all of us, including my Los Angeles base, to be on the same you know, in the same class, moving and breathing at the same time. And it's it's really become this salvation for all of us and um, an unexpected silver lining for all of it. Um, and it, it feels a little bit like um, I had my own studio, a brick and mortar studio in Los Angeles, and, it, and I had it for nine years. And uh, I didn't want to be a studio owner either. So that, that was another one of those sort of you've got to just leap and the net will appear things mm -hmm. and in many ways this feels like i'm constructing U studio it was the letter u for unity and community that made it but like we're building it without without walls mm -hmm. so um it, it's actually super interesting to to learn because you asked me like did i know about how to be a, a basically a filmmaker <laughs> not <Yeah>. really but <laughs> yeah and i didn't and i wouldn't have thought that i would have enjoyed it except for how meaningful it is as a community and if that can be the catalyst for community then great you know oh, so nice. that's been my experience of it is it it, it really is a, a bright shining thing in the middle of the kerfuffle so you, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to call it do you think the pro but, the pros have outweighed the cons of it then um of the pandemic no no <laughs> <laughs> not the um, pandemic <laughs> Of the, of, no, but of the online yoga of the online yoga is what i meant I, yeah i have to say it has yeah i, mean, I, I um I, i've kind of had this this knee jerk that that being an independent is really important i mean mm. you teach a tri yoga and you do your own thing and i think that that combination of not being beholden just to a company not that the company's bad but having your own way of doing things yeah. um then it, it just makes sure that you're not um, at somebody else's mercy. I think. Yeah. Mm, no, yeah. indeed. One thing you said there was you talked about how Udaya and the filming of that was so exhausting, and like, but you, and I wonder what I wonder what that was that made it so. Because I felt that as well. Because I guess the preparation, yeah. etc. And then now we're being filmed every day, multiple times. Like, are we more comfortable? Do you think, or do we just care less? Like, I found myself like wearing essentially pajamas to teach a class <laughs> at times, like stuff that I would never wear out of the house. Zero effort. Yeah, like zero effort. Like not shaved, toothpaste no down makeup. my lip. Like, what is, is it? That we don't care, or we're getting more comfortable? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I mean, I'm just exhausted all the time. Oh. <laughs> so maybe no, um, not not entirely, but. I do think it's, I think for one thing, um, the quality of things is more forgiving because people want new content and connection more than they want. Like it's beautiful what we shoot for Udaya. I mean, gorgeous and edited and the whole thing. And that is my, what I'm doing is the flip side of that. It is me in my living room, though I'm not in my pajamas. It, it, you know, the dog barks, Amazon comes to the door. I mean, you know, it's, it's all that kind of thing. Um, and I just think that we're, we're hungry for a humanness and, yeah. and that, sh that comes through mm. in the rough edges of the recording probably versus like the really sleek production value is lovely to look at. But in these times of where we just would love to have real connection, maybe there's something real about how we show up on camera. Um, and that takes some of the pressure off us perhaps mm. too, because we get to just be real and not feel like we're, we have to look like a Hollywood movie, mm. even though we're on a, 
Hollywood movie set. That's, that's, that's <laughs> such a nice way to look at it, isn't it? Just crying out for authenticity. We all are, aren't we? And yeah, that's a good way to get it when you're making mistakes and the dog's barking. And, <laughs> and I think maybe as well, it's a kind of meant as a student, it's a kind of the accountability, feeling that you're actually in a proper class. It's happening in this moment. Mm. Whereas when you witness a pre-recorded class, especially like a high, you know, a high, high, high spec one, there, there is, a, as you say, a distance. And it's, again, it's wonderful to watch. And if you're in the right mindset, perfect. You can really flow with it and watch it. But if you aren't that motivated by being in a, a live stream class or one where someone's recording it from the living room, you feel like you're in it together yeah. to some degree, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Are you finding that with your online stuff? Yeah, to, yeah, I think to some degree. I think people like... and like, like the, One thing I've noticed, particularly with the online stuff, is that people are really willing to engage. Like at the end of a public class, normal, a normal public class in person, I'd say, any questions, come and chat. No one said anything. Everyone just goes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm scary. It's more open, isn't but it? But then on, on, mm-hmm. online, I will kind of come to the camera and say, anyone want to chat? And people aren't afraid to turn their mic off and ask a question about the sequence, about the poses. And I, I wonder what, what makes people comfortable to do that, what emboldens them. Have you, have you found something similar? Yeah. Um, and, and we talk about um, what's the weather like in Italy? You know, yeah. what's it like being in the pandemic in the UAE? You know, um, and it's fascinating because even though everybody is essentially in the same situation, the way that it's being handled is really radically different mm. around the world. Um, and that's that's something you hear and you read about in the paper, but to have that as a collective, to have that conversation is so powerful and meaningful. And um, I, I think too, have you done workshops and, and yep. things that and are tra- not classes And trainings, online? yeah. How did that go? Oh, trainings too. Yeah. How did that go for you? Yeah, great people. People were entertained. I think if you did a whole training, maybe that could be excessive. I'm not sure how that would go for teachers, but to teach a five-hour module. One. Oh, you I did, did you? I did a, oh, wow. I did, I did a 200 hour for yoga works. <gasps> oh my gosh. Just a couple of weeks ago we finished. And I, um, you know, these things are, have a very short turnaround time. So I found out that I was going to be doing it about two weeks before and I'm a total over-preparer and I <laughs> didn't have time to over-prepare. Mm. And as we've covered, I have no technical skills so i had to do this on zoom figure that out like the breakout rooms and all those things but also learn about google classroom which is extraordinary but like took me a minute to get it so the first couple of weeks you know looking at the squares trying to figure out how do you relay these things you obviously can't teach certain things like hands-on adjustments and um but but there was sort of like you're saying an intimacy that happens you can share documents or you can share what your slideshow is a lot easier this way so there's some things that translate really well that maybe don't translate as well in person. There's nothing like being in person. I mean, let's just put that out on the table. But um, also people could join us from around the world for that as well. We had somebody from the Philippines who literally stayed up all night long to wow. take the teacher training. Oh, wow. um, we had a lot of people on the West or the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. I'm in Los Angeles. So it brought together people who wouldn't be able to do a teacher training together um online and and then i we you really learn as you go and um i it was great mm. it was quite something i have to say i was surprised were, were there any big adaptations you had to make in terms of your teaching style uh you know i suppose if i was really like in the classroom right now i would feel that way but it felt quite natural i would 
be able to watch them. I could spotlight somebody like a body to look at much like you would have them circle around someone and take a look. Um, I demonstrated a bit, then I would not demonstrate sometimes. Um, and you kind of get a rhythm going on in some ways, those, I mean, uh, the lecture part's easy because here, here we are, right. But Mm -hmm. it's more the asana practice and making sure that that feels, um, viable. And then also their practice teaching online, which, at this point, you probably need to figure out those skills. And really, teaching is teaching is teaching. It translates across the platforms, I think. Mm-hmm. If you're effective, if you're because you have to be quite language effective, I think, when you're teaching online. Um, I learned that. I also recorded for Gaia years ago. And I would learn from the feedback on that um, a lot of my catchphrases or my where my speech would be you know, leaning into, mm-hmm or those patterns that people catch you on. And so I learned a lot about trying to be clear in my speech and clear with explaining things since I couldn't go and make up the difference with an adjustment or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think there's some skillfulness that can be emphasized. And there's nothing to hide behind, is there? Because often, you know, teacher will hide behind demonstration or hide behind loud music blaring or hide behind assisting constantly. And it is very much just mm. you being completely exposed. Do you miss teaching in real life? I do. And it feels like it's going to be so strange in its way. You've gone back a little bit, right? Well, I think we might be going into another. But no, but we have been again. teaching. Like, yeah, I've oh, taught, sorry, gone back. Yeah, you've yeah, gone back. I've taught to, yeah. for about a month and a half yeah. or two months even in studios. Yeah, it's still the atmosphere is a bit strange. The most isn't it? bizarre thing is fine now. It's just more spacious. It's like, it's like a dream for <laughs> students. They just have all the space. Mm. And no one creepy like touching them. Uh, But the weirdest thing on the first class back was making eye contact. It was so peculiar because Mm. online you feel feel like you're making eye contact when you look at the screen and see someone's eyes. But to make actual eye contact... It's like there's a barrier really down. really odd. <laughs> like I kept having to put people in downward dog. Like, Stop looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Can we, can we come back to studio time? So you had a studio and then it yeah. went. And like lots of teachers say, well, I want to own a studio. And like London is full of every other person opening like a small boutique studio. Mm. But you had one. What, what year was this? When did you have a studio? I think I started it in... Oh my god! I'm so bad. I, with I can. Years. I, I can, don't know. I've been. A, I can you tell can you tell because we researched okay. you, and it's 2006. Okay. Well, it's 2006. You had okay. a studio. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what, what, Thank you. What made you want it, and then what made you not want it anymore? Yeah, because you said you didn't uh, actually want. I never yeah. wanted it. Yeah. yeah. I was teaching for someone else, and um, it it became a, a difficult thing with his ego, and it was time for me to leave immediately, and. I found a space and I um, I opened it. It was in an Art Deco building in Los Angeles oh, on the fifth floor yeah. with no signage, but a really great space. Mm. And I it just sort of became an entrepreneur just like that. I didn't even know what square footage looked like or you know any of the things. So I, I really learned um, while doing it. And what I mostly learned was that the most important thing in the world to me is community. And mm. anybody that came and found that that was their nest um, it's it's the best thing in the world. Um, so that I, I did that for nine years, and I I had a couple of teachers that worked for me. The harder part for me was convincing people that they weren't like stepping out on me to go take other teachers in my space because I had started as a one man band, mm. and so then they just felt like they were probably um, you know being unloyal, and mm-hmm. that wasn't the case. But 
Um, then I started getting called out into the world to teach quite a bit. And that was hard with a brick and mortar at home to pay the rent on. Mm. And it was before there was such a flood of huge yoga companies um, in Los Angeles. You know, like Yoga Works was Yoga Works, but they weren't rushing towards becoming a, um, a, a conglomerate, you know. And, um, and then they were during my stay and they became it became really hard for me to compete with them having all those locations and a price point and classes all day long. And basically, you know, little old me on the fifth floor with no signage. And, um, and then also leaving to go and travel, which I, I love. It's my mm -hmm. passion. That's been the hardest part really of the pandemic yeah. for me is 2020 was my big year of travel. Joke's on me. Uh, but, yeah. um, but the, the, the brick and mortar was hard to keep up when I was away and people kind of didn't go. And then they would, uh, uh, many of them go take advantage of a yoga works kind of situation. And towards the end of it, it was interesting because yoga works was doing yo uh, teacher trainings in my space and kind of keeping me alive, pay paying rent for that, but at the same time killing me with the incapacity to be an independent, you know, up against yeah. the larger thing. I, I do think that those two can coexist. And I think in the next iteration, when things open up again, that, that that will, and that's kind of what I mean about, it. it's really important to have your own independent thing, your own independent platform. And then when you step onto a stage like Yoga Works or into a platform where um, there's marketing machinery you could never hope for, you know, um, it uh, it is this beautiful balance of people knowing who I am and having genuine community coming to a larger space that can sometimes be accused of being, you know, the the big corporate whatever. And it, I think we, we have things to bring to one another um, that make it a, a positive experience all around. Mm. And it's, it's, it's funny that though people are so against big corporate, like in the yoga context, like I'd love to ask people at what point does a yoga studio become corporate? Yeah. They all, they all start off generally with people that love yoga <laughs> building, like yeah. try yoga in London. It was uh, a smaller community space, but was very well organized. So grew and grew and grew. Mm. And at what point does that become a bad thing? Like, I don't think it does, but as long as it's still run with the same heart. With the same ethos, yeah. And the same ethos, I think mm. it's it's still the same thing. Can we go back a tiny bit, well, a little bit more? When did your yoga journey begin? Uh, I found yoga at Crunch Gym. Crunch Gym? odd years ago. Yes. Yeah. That sounds badass. Uh, <laughs> badass. I, well, it's here in Los Angeles. I think it's still here. Although, I mean, what is still here? <laughs> yeah. Everything is closing and going mm. chapter 11. But um, it was a gym here. And I was like a big workout freak. Uh, and I write about this in my book quite a bit, actually. Mm. Um, nothing was ever enough. I was like a spin class, step class, spin class, step class. And then I, I wandered into a yoga class. And um, it was so annoying because I had to be still. And I didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really got my attention. And I, I didn't like it much. I thought, I'm, I'm either never going back again or I need to go back tomorrow and figure out what that was. Wow. So yeah, as the case may be, I, I went back and it became just this incredible teacher for me to reconcile so many things in my life that were um, spinning out of control and really all about punishment. And it, it became a place to, to figure out how to... Um, like myself a little bit more because mm. you were you were a gymnast weren't you as like a child or i was like, uh -huh. i was a competitive gymnast and how did that work with yoga like did you want to do gymnastics on the yoga mat initially <laughs> kind did... of that part was easy yeah mm. i mean that was probably one of the more inviting parts is like oh i've done this before so you know this obsession with handstand is is interesting i suppose but that's never been the part 
for me that was challenging. I think it can be for people. It's the kicking up into the unknown and, you know, this sort of scary, I'm a grown up, but this feels playful, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say that kicking up into a handstand is a little bit like opening your own business or going on a first date. You know, it's like, I don't know what's on the other side of it, but, um, <laughs> Love that. but yeah, the gymnastics part of it was, uh, that, that came pretty naturally to me the the sitting still part i mean you, you have an athletic background and and do you too holly dancer you, actually i'm dancing I'm, yeah okay. so kind of similar i thought oh i'm gonna be at an advantage i'm so flexible but then you realize obviously it's so much more than that and i had to build a lot of strength where i was really weak so yeah big big lessons my, my boxing for me didn't help yeah no. boxing was not an advantage <laughs> but i always find people that have the background of gymnastics interesting because of course there are similarities but in gym of course and, and as an individual you can enjoy gymnastics but what you're doing it for to some degree is the observer is the person who's scoring you it's for an external viewer and of course yoga isn't that there isn't well to a degree there is someone watching now all the time but <laughs> you're not doing it for anyone and i really love when i have students in class that are, were clearly gymnasts or were clearly dancers but have submitted to the yoga practice for instance aren't always externally rotating their leg when they lift it and point it you know, they're actually engaging yeah. the inner leg and maybe even flexing the foot, which often comes completely unnatural. But I really enjoy seeing that when people that clearly could do certain things are reining it in and controlling it. And I guess, was, was that a challenge for you at any point or did you submit, as it were, quite quick? Well, I, I'm sure that it was. I mean, now it's it feels like so long <laughs> ago. But I, I think what you're describing too is the ultimate flexibility is, you know, letting ourselves be beginners again, mm. um, especially when we think we're advanced at something, you know, coming in with something that, that, that kind of masquerades as almost yoga, right? Dance or, or gymnastics. And then um, letting ourselves go a different direction, letting ourselves learn something new, that whole idea of discovery, it's, you know, vulnerable. Mm. Do you, can you talk a little bit about your book? When did you decide to write this? What was the story behind it? Um, I, like, to be really honest, it took me about 10 years to get it published. Um, I started by, I'd been, I've had many lives. I'm an old girl. (laughs) (laughs) I was a singer songwriter way back in the day. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Amazing. Um, And I, I, um, in fact, I won an ASCAP award, and that was sort of like the crescendo. That was <laughs> then, wow. I, then I seemed to stop. What's, what's but, ASCAP? We're, I, we're in London. ASCAP is, is oh, it's a it's a songwriting society. So okay. ASCAP and BMI. Can no, we at any rate? Can we hear you anywhere? Yeah. Can we hear your songs anywhere? Or not really. Oh. Maybe I'll send you okay. some. Like <laughs> yes, it, they're on basically cassette tapes. It was like oh. when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> you know, I'd get in my horse and buggy and go to the studio to record. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, so, so, but the language part, the lyric part, it was kind of lyric driven. And so I didn't keep singing really, but I, I did keep writing and then I wrote articles. And then at some point somebody said, you should write a book. And so I, um, I put together a proposal and I went out to an agent and, um, I got an agent relatively easily and she just thought everything I did was great. And we went out to publishers and they completely disagreed and everybody turned me down oh, no. and it was brutal. It was like a bloodbath of just, of, you know, getting, um, getting rejected oh. and I put it aside and then I was on a retreat in Mexico um, probably a couple of years later and somebody asked me on the beach what's your passion and without missing a beat I found myself saying it's my book but I've given up on that 
And someone else on the retreat was on the beach and she said, you should meet my sister-in-law. She's an agent in New York. And it happened that I was going to New York the next week, Lululemon was sending me. So I met with her and I started writing again. And for two years, I woke up at four in the morning, wrote on my proposal. I would send it into Jane, my agent. She would send it back to me, cut to shreds, and I would start all over again. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and then at one point it was like, it felt like uh, Groundhog Day. Like, it, it, does this ever go to publishers or do we just keep doing this, you know? Yeah. And she said, you know, I know that this seems hard, but the proposal is much harder than writing the book, especially if we do it, you know, work this diligently. And it's not glamorous. It's it's sort of like, you know, teaching yoga. It's you in the trenches, nobody's watching, nobody cares. And I could feel over all these years that, you know, like members of my family were just sort of like, Andy, give up on it already. Mm. You know, <laughs> why are you torturing yourself this way? And um, then I, at one point we did go out to publishers and the second time through, bigger publishers than I would have allowed myself to even entertain uh. were interested. And um, I ended up signing with this wonderful company called St. Martin's Press, which is um, a Macmillan publishing group. And uh, at that point, my, my brother, who's a pretty well-known screenwriter said, Andy, even I had given up on you. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. I had sort of like, for some reason, um, I'm not sure what the compulsion was, except for maybe Dharma, but I just couldn't give up. I just, I just didn't and couldn't. And, and now it's out in the world and I'm, I'm pleased with it. And what's, <laughs> what, say that, what's the title of it? It's called Close to Ohm. Close to, close to Ohm. Close, close to, to Ohm, close stretching to ohm. yoga from your mat to your life. Mm. And, and how, yeah, how would you, you, you kind of not surmise a book, but like when did you realize that yoga could be applied to life and it wasn't just being on a mat? Um, it's another one of those things I'm obsessed with, much like community, I think. Um, yeah. I, I started really loving the metaphor of, of our postures and life. You know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm. Um, but when I started to study philosophy, especially the sutras, it just was like a psychological roadmap. And the, the idea that you would embody that philosophy in the classroom and that that could then follow you after you've rolled up your mat, um, really, it really lights me up. I mean, it's the thing I love the most. So I, that was what I was writing about. And then that's what what became the book really mm, i love that success wise so you would i would class you you might not but i would class you as a successful teacher like you're very respected you're out and about you work with big brands you teach in wonderful studios like, i mean what was your like what got you there like, of course it was natural ability and natural talent and you know an ability to convey ideas but like how much work did you have to put in to get to where you are or did it just naturally evolve from being an NLA teaching yoga for so long. Like, what do you account your success to? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for thinking I'm successful. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, my definition of success is just like, if you have a positive impact on just one person, mm. then that's to me, you know, pretty much the, the pinnacle of success. But um, I'm a workhorse. Like I, I work and work and work and work. So are you, you guys are both workhorses too. So I know that I'm speaking to my brethren, but um, it is a ton of work and it's not glamorous work. Like I said, it's the, it's the work that just comes from this love where you just can't do anything else. You can't not do it. I mean, don't you both feel like yeah. that too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you're so lucky to be able to do something that you love so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't love it every second, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but you mostly do. I mean, you know. Now, what have been the hard bits for you? The hard bits of your journey to now? 
I think the publicity part of things is really hard. And that became like monumental with a book out. You actually are under contract to have to do certain PR things and post things and ask, you know, the celebrities you've taught for quotes and like, shoot me now. Oh, it was the- really? Oh, that's that's <laughs> awkward. That's that. awkward, is, is that isn't something it? That it you, horrible. Is that something that's left to you on your own? Do you not have help with that? You, you have to go do it. You have oh. to help a little bit with the PR department, but yeah. You know, in all things, including with with yoga, you know, there there's an expectation that you're going to have to do a little bit of PR because people need to know that you're doing what you're doing. Mm. And for me, if I can frame it as I would love for you to have a great experience and not have it be like, hey, here's some more pictures of me. Yeah. Yeah. If it's something that we're doing that we really believe in because it makes us feel better. And we we say, I want you to come and be there with us. Mm. I want you to come and get something out of this. Then I can I can kind of cope with it. But the I mean, how do you guys cope with all that? I, I'm stuff? I'm so with you. I personally find it really difficult to find ways to market myself where I'm not feeling like, oh, I've, I'm just showing off or I'm just, it's all about me. Exactly what you said. You want to make mm. it, people feel like it's about them, but it's quite difficult to find ways to do that. So, but you're you're good at it, Adam. You've always got had a, a, I'm a knack for it. I think some people, I'm not saying I'm amazing, but I, have a, I can write a post fairly quickly. Yeah. That seems to takes me in forever. some way people resonate with that could be because it's funny and sarcastic it could be because it's actually informative <laughs> but i have the ability to write posts quite quickly whereas mm. i know some people have to plan their posts for the week so for me it's never been particularly arduous i know i pay a photographer every so often to take some photos put them in a put them in a, a dropbox and just use them over time and just write something to go along with it that feels natural and authentic to me mm. however the challenge i would then find is when I have to involve the people. For me, as you, for you, like you are having to ask celebrities who you've taught and get favors. Mm. I hate that. The moment I have to get other yeah. people involved in it, I feel awkward. But I don't have any guilt with making myself work infinitely hard and doing all the things mm. I need to do. I just don't like incorporating other people into it mm. at all. But how was well, that? Pro- I think it crosses a bit of a trust line too. I mean, because there, you know, yoga is this thing where. Um, I, I, everybody feels like it's quite a personal place to work things out. Yeah. And if you are a person who um, more people know, then whatever your personal stuff is becomes um, maybe even more protected. And so I think that that it's it sort of, it's not that we're therapists because that's not what we're qualified to do, but in a, it, we're creating a safe space, you know, both making sure that the alignment is safe, but also and a you know an anonymity and a and a place where you feel like you're held and it's okay and um, I think that sometimes like Adam was saying you know when you have to go and ask those same people like hey by the way <laughs> it just feels like yeah. you've shattered this this like sweet understanding um, and some people are fine when you ask them to do that kind of thing you know having had to do it and other people you really do feel like you just ruined a relationship like mm. you just you know soured it yeah. yeah what kind of what kind of advice do you give to your teacher trainees uh about social media or about putting themselves out there in the world or the relationship they have with their students like i guess there's lots of warnings like i like i always like i go mad when i see people like taking photos of themselves while they're teaching that Which, in, what, in what context as in when i see teacher trainees or just teachers oh. taking a photo while they're teaching a class oh they're the ones that. taking the photo. Is yeah, like do a little selfie in of everyone kicking up into handstand or taking us a, a photo of people in shivasana. Oh god, which makes me mad. 
<laughs> but yeah, what kind of warnings do you give your teacher trainees about social media? Well, I, I think, you know, because especially when I had my book out, I had a lot of that question of like, how evil is social media? And, you know, that sort of juxtaposing that there are superstars on Instagram that are terrible teachers and, and then teachers who are terrible at Instagram. And I think that it's not that cut and dry. I think yeah. that, that there can be people that, that are like have a wonderful career on Instagram, whether or not they're effective teachers, I don't know. But that is like, that, that's something that they do. And I don't think that they need to be demonized for that. Mm. And the same thing with like people who don't have the social media chops, but they love teaching. That's great. I think it's, it makes the world go round. Most of us live somewhere in between. Yeah. And I tell my teacher trainees that um, I think that social media is a bulletin board. It's much like Holly and I were just talking about. Do don't just have social media without having something to offer. I mean, yeah. it's fine personally, but if you're going to start posting things, what's in it for them? Yeah. Are you offering yeah. them like you, you know, is it something come and join me at a teacher training, come and join me at a whatever, join me for class tips, like you were saying, or even a good laugh, you know, mm. but if it's just, here's another picture of me doing a pose that you can't do. Mm. I, 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 I don't do that <laughs> again that that's wrong but um i i think that if you if you look at it as a bulletin board for something that you're actively living right now and doing not thinking that you put that cart before the horse and as soon as i get so and so followers on instagram then i can go teach mm. teach and teach and teach and teach and teach it can be reflected in your social media that's fine mm. but it, it doesn't that's not what makes you a teacher yeah teaching yeah. makes you a teacher and the practice of teaching which we often forget yes. is a thing that you, you know, teachers often would do like a 200 hour training, then a 300 hour training, then a 50 hour training and haven't actually taught any classes or, or barely any classes at all. I think that is really underrated. The value of just teaching as many classes as you can before you get more knowledge. But one of your friends and someone that we had on the podcast recently, Mia Togo, she on the topic of like creating uh, a unique offering for social media, she's created a following with people into feet. <laughs> she's got a foot uh, foot I've fetish heard that. a foot you fetish following so yeah. yeah your fellow yeah. foot fetishes and have you noticed That's she's hilarious. cultivating now every, every photo she posted the foot photo <laughs> no, no not really not. <laughs> that would be so creepy imagine if she just went down that route it's the most I heard I love I've been loving listening to this podcast Aww. and I'm really honoured to be on it but I heard that and I thought what in the world I know well, I don't I can't yeah. believe there's a there's a group of people that are obsessed but, with feet but, no, but we know everyone's got everyone's got their thing yeah and like if you if yeah. you if you were someone with that the best place to go is some kind of discipline where people, people don't wear shoes out. yeah and of course <laughs> I like, guess so even in dance yeah you got mainly like wearing depending on the dance style, like ballet shoes or dance mm. pumps or whatever they are but yogis are definitely is that, is that something you feel flattered about to have someone love your feet or is it weird oh, like for me if you love it. If there is someone that compliments me in any way, that's nice. It's not a bad thing. They're, they're not meaning any harm by it. Even if it's like the weirdest, creepiest thing in the world. It's, they're not <laughs> we'll take our compliments where they yeah. Yeah. get them. Yeah. And I've got a little book and I write them all in the book. And every night I read them back to myself. <laughs> Oh. Compliments and, 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 and I take it. I take it on planes with me. No, I don't. Obviously, I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. always advise people to take compliments with a pinch of salt and insults. I just <laughs> just generally ignore what people say. I think it's, it's pretty it's pretty good advice. Uh, on your website, yeah. you say creating space is creative space. Uh, well, I'm intrigued mm -hmm. by that. What what do you mean by that? Um, I think that uh, 
both in yoga and in creativity, it is that finding the spaciousness, trusting the spaciousness for ideas and um, innovation to come in. Mm. Uh, I, I work with executives sometimes too. And I think the same thing of a meeting where if you're just planning what you're going to say next and trying to one up mm. and then there's shame if anybody makes a mistake or the mm. idea doesn't get accepted, it's not going to be the most fruitful creative space for ideas, whether that's corporate situations or um, and the same thing with when I woke up at four in the morning writing my book, that's a spacious time of day. Mm. Uh, and I do a 20 minute meditation every morning that creates space for my day. I just think that um, the the world is really full of, of um, chaotic ingredients and it's like the snow globes that we shake, right? And you can't see anything and life feels like that. And then if you let it settle, you can see the inner landscape. You can see what's actually there. And from that truth, you can create something meaningful for you and for other people. But if you're just in the chaos and you're trying to create things to make you popular, to get likes, to you know all this stuff that we just finished talking about, um, you'll never satiate that. It's never gonna feel like it actually comes from someplace clear and um, settled and and real mm. I don't think I haven't, so, I haven't. How, how do you allow yourself to reset or what tools do you have to allow yourself to kind of reset and come back and arrive and bear witness to the moment especially in like a state that's constantly burning and everyone's leaving I know yeah so how, what tools um, do you use well there I, my meditation is huge um we have a dog and I've Aww. been a cat person you guys have a cat um Not, I had cats yeah. for all of my life and then a little over a year ago we rescued a dog who's, um, she's super smart. She's pretty challenging. Aww. And I was a novice, much like I am with technology. <laughs> and these days I was with a dog and we had a rough beginning. Um, I wasn't sure that I could really handle her. And our relationship is, I've learned, she's my guru, basically. Like Aww. I've learned so much from her. And we now take really long walks. Ever since March with the, the um, lockdown in particular, we started walking and our walks together are definitely um a, a place that i go to she's a rat terrier probably she was born in the pound and she was returned five different times in the first year of her life Aww. she's very smart and super active and yeah. can be difficult but she was with a trainer um before she came to us and um she, she's a delight i mean it's a whole other ball game from a cat <laughs> yeah but a, really, a terrier and a cat together <laughs> i mean cats just do their own yeah, thing yeah. don't they they just get on with life but terriers kind of want to kill cats by their nature yeah. <laughs> oh sweet so yeah. so that's sort of your yoga off the mat then in a way it is yeah i think and, yeah. and what about and dealing with, work a lot. what about dealing with kind of conflict because i bet you've yogis or some yogis have egos that can get the better of them at mm -hmm. times and we i'm sure you'd have met many of those in your time teaching and in the yoga world and maybe conflict has ensued it seems like in the first case that you described earlier when you opened your studio when you had to mm -hmm. you just kind of mm -hmm. took you kind of took yourself out of that situation like have you ever needed to kind of employ those yoga skills to deal with conflict conflict in the yoga industry i'm horrible at conflict links <laughs> to avoid it yeah really. me too probably why i ducked out of where i was teaching um i just i don't know that's just not how i that's not where I do well. Mm. So um, I think sometimes there, you know, conflict happens so that you face some things and, and you know, take your own accountability and what it is that you may have contributed there. And a lot of times you learn in conflict 
about what you don't want to bring into the yoga space or the world or whatever it is. Um, but conflict is not, I, I'm, mm. for better or worse, it's not, I'm not very good at it. I can't imagine anyone being angry at you. No. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Where do you... I think I've angered many people, but I, th- I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you see things going for you now? Do you have a, a plan or are you quite happy to let things go with the flow? I think all of us have to be a little bit go with the flow. Yeah. I mean, uh, or did you have a plan? I, bef- there's before? that. I, I, the next thing that, that one, I mean, one thing that's on the calendar for me is um, a hybrid teacher training for yoga works, which will be really interesting. Um, the first half is online, and the second half I go to um, Karma Cologne Studio in Copen in uh, Cologne, Germany, yeah, yeah. with two women that you know. Yeah, from yes. Maya, actually, they have a love. Yeah, they and have you a, guys work with them. They yeah. have a lovely little dog as well. Oh. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. They do. So that will be really interesting because it will it will be the two things that we. It's a kind of a good bookend, even in our conversation of like. I'll be returning to the physical space. I don't know that I will here before then. Um, so that will be really interesting. And I also just think the it's it's such a robust experience to have it online and then also in person that way. So mm. uh, that's in January. We have an info session coming up on um, October 29th, I believe, for that. But Yoga Works is a great place to go take a peek and see if anybody's interested in a teacher training that way. And, what, uh, and then growing this, uh, this, this online platform. But what, what do you want more for you? Like what is wealth for you in the long term now? I want to go back out and see the world and yeah. spend time in the world. That's wealth to me. Mm. Uh, and yoga tends to facilitate that for me. Mm. Um, I've also, I think like many of us, and, and you can tell me if this is true for you, but like this press of pause for all of us has reminded me how important my husband is to me, mm. my my dog, uh, my family. Um, so those things too, just really appreciating the things that matter most and not getting caught up in this idea of um, not fame, because that's not really anything I chase, but that, that somehow those external things matter as yeah. much. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Like, it's, it's made some people really appreciate the things they have yeah. and made other people really think, actually, I don't want this anymore. Mm. I don't want I, I, don't, I don't want my partner. They're actually not for me. I kind of be faced with the reality of their life or their situation or their decisions. But I think ultimately that's a very good thing. Yeah. So you're yeah, tra- I think so too. Have you, have you found that, that people come to you, students have said, you know, I'm breaking up with... Well, no, we're actually oh, having yeah. a divorce. Yeah, sad, isn't yeah, yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Not the first thing I heard of it. <laughs> no. Yes, I, I have, I, yeah. I, yeah, I've heard, yeah, we've heard a few people, people yeah. you're radically changing career. And it's interesting to see how people react. I guess some people really jump ship. Like, I'm going to go and move to Brazil. And like... But I think it's forcing us to deal with the nature. And maybe the fact that travel was so hard really forced us to deal, actually deal with it and face up to the conflict or whatever it might be yeah. or the reality of our situation. Yeah. And I think that's really, power- that's really being powerful. It's made us stop and be with ourselves. So everything is magnified, our patterns, our stories, our thoughts. So it's, yeah, it's really forced us it's, to sit with us. Yeah. And- I think that pick away ear quote I love, like in, he says, in an age of constant movement, there is Most just people. a huge value of sitting still. Yeah. And in age of distraction, a huge benefit. I'm, I'm murdering it. <laughs> but Something way, along those but lines. To you and anyone listening, uh, a guy called Pico Ayer. So P-I-C-O, mm. then I-Y-E-R. Mm-hmm. The most wonderful man. He's a travel writer. 
Uh, yeah. He's like written books. I'm familiar with him. He's amazing. oh, you know him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he. Did I the... think he was on on Being. Maybe there's a podcast okay. called On Being with mm. Krista Tippett. But he's he's extraordinary. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, yeah. he's amazing. And and I guess he's he's a really interesting character. There's one talk I'm referring to uh, on TED Talks talks about the art of going nowhere or the benefit of going nowhere. Like, and as a travel yeah. writer, saying how much value he has in just staying still in his home in Japan mm. and just staying. It's the most important thing you could go with, yeah. the, the important most, place you could well, go is most, nowhere. Uh, he says the most urgent place to go is yeah, nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. And we've yeah. all been forced into that. However, Andrew, yeah. if you do go back to that venue in Peru, please let me know because I will be there. <laughs> Wasn't that, it amazing? It looks absolutely stunning, that photo. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, the other thing about this being still and being home versus travel is that everywhere you go, there you are. So there is also that it's it's sort of like asana and meditation, right? Moving, it's important to move. Our bodies yeah. need it. Sort of like travel is going and seeing that there's a world out there, but also sitting and letting it digest in a meditation mm. um, because we are, you know, we are who we are no matter whether we're moving or still. Really. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Should we do some quick fire yeah, questions? Yeah, some quick fire. That went really quick. That went really quick, didn't yeah. it? Just conversation. And can you leave, can you leave us with a, a mantra or a quote that you live by, or love? Um, well, the creative space is creating space is creative space is a big one. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, how we do one thing is how we do everything is mm. a, another one. Mm. Um, also, in my book, it. it Pradipaksha Bhavanam, which is a, um, a, from the sutras, which is turning uh, a negative into a positive to oversimplify it. Um, Marcus Aurelius said, what's in the way is the way. Mm. And I love that. It's mm. every challenge is really an opportunity. So mm. I think, especially in these challenging times, the fact that that was something that was discussed way back with the sutras and then has made its way infiltrated through just us being human throughout the years that's kind of a big one. I love that. Mm. On an, okay, so I'll do another little quick fire for you. Okay. Uh, best little recent purchase that's helped you navigate lockdown. Santa Maria Novello bath salts. Oh, they're the best ever. Oh wow! Thank you. Santa. If you don't know Santa Maria Novella, it, it's it's um it's a, actually a group of nuns in um florence italy okay. that make bath salts now it's much more ready and available i don't they couldn't possibly be there making <laughs> for all of us but um but it's the it's it's a treat it's another Ooh. besides walking tippy our dog and um meditating and taking my bath oh wow it? check those out and yeah. is, is another one is there one thing or if you could do what would you do more of if you had time, travel. space, just travel, travel. Mm. go somewhere. And where yeah. would you next go? Anywhere in the world, where would you next go if you could? Yeah, well, I was I was meant to be in Morocco and Portugal last May. Um, theoretically, I will be there this coming May. Um, but I love all that, you know, you and I, we, we all go to Bulgaria a bit. I love that whole Eastern Europe. I did it, I led a retreat in Slovenia. So I, I'd like to see even more of that part of the world because I think it's fascinating in that, it's in between, you still have the older generation that knew it one way and then a younger generation that is a little bit more westernized. And um, I just think it's it's so beautiful and great there. Mm. Well, when you can- Where do you guys want to go next? Oh, off nowhere. Sorry, we're moving out of London. Our <laughs> yeah, next step is to get into step. our new house. Yeah, oh, and right. you're welcome to, if you ever want to come over, if you're ever in London or whenever you're next there, 
come and say hello you can actually have have the benefit of being near london and doing all the teaching but having some quiet space Mm. nearby not not gonna not gonna lie though be careful what you uh, offer no no (laughs) we'll take it now (laughs) we have space yeah we love hosting we actually really really enjoy hosting yeah we'd love to have i bet you guys are the best hosts (laughs) we try we try yeah no but i would i would love to be on a beach right now i'm not gonna lie that's it from us thank you anything you would like people to know about like links wise social media hashtags etc sure i mean we talked about a lot of it i would love for people to look into the teacher training that i was talking about at yoga works um i would really love people to join me at andreamarkham.com mm. for either a live stream or there's quite a big catalog of classes there and um they're accessible one by one or as a subscription I'm super excited about that growing. That's new that we just launched that last week and it's been kind of um, overwhelming almost uh, the response to it. So I'm very happy about that. And then my book is available on Amazon and that's close to Ohm. I also read the audio book. So if you've not been too annoyed by my voice on this podcast, (laughs) you can listen to me all the time reading my book to you. Um, And, and, you know, I look forward to seeing you guys at Udaya. We love that music festival. Yeah, it's brilliant. And also at Yoga Games. You guys are involved with Yoga Games, I think. So yeah, Yeah. it's rescheduled, hasn't it? Yeah, I forget because everything actually, everything's changed so much. I forget where I'm going and where I am, but we'll see you soon. We'll catch up with you you Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Really, really lovely. Honestly, unbalanced.